This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to Pagan's Witchy Corner. My name is Pagan, and I am joined by the wonderful Lara Vesta, who wrote the book Wild Soul Runes, Reawakening the Ancestral Feminine. So, Lara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I've read your book twice now, because the first time I uh, read it, I always like to read a book like this cover to cover, just to make sure that I've kind of grasped the initial concepts. And now I'm actually working through the class part of it. But before we dive deep into that, go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about you and all that and what really brought you to write this book. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the book is a journey for sure. Um, I Let's see about me. I am a former academic. Um, I guess I could start there. Actually, I should probably start. I grew up in the deep woods of Weimar, Oregon, like way out in the middle of nowhere. My parents were hippies and my dad had a hat that said, where the hell is Weimar, Oregon? And we lived outside of that. So my experience growing up was always being super connected with the earth. We had no running water or electricity for a time. We, um, had no neighbors that were visible to us. The nights were very dark. I had a horse. It was really quite wonderful. And so that is actually the seed for all of the work that I do in this life. Mm -hmm. Um, my journey from there took me through many, many things. I, um, I'm a mother. I was an academic before I became very sick for about a decade. I still deal with chronic health issues, the latest being um, COVID related. Oh no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and in the mix of all of this has been this ever evolving spiritual path that I call ancestral animism, which is really just a lived spirituality engaging with specifically the pre-Christian life ways of my ancestors and, um, and then trying to develop application through lived experience in my everyday life. And the runes have become an integral part of this. So um, my journey with them started in childhood. My grandfather's from Norway and I always saw them kind of dancing at the periphery. And then um, when I think it was about 2012 or 2013, I actually started to encounter them more in a present way, I started taking classes. But what I realized was that the information we have about the runes is 
um, very static and mm-hmm. non-specific. And um, you know, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of archaeology, but truly, we don't know where they come from. So we have to turn to myth for that. And then I started doing gnosis work, and that is the root of this book. The book is um, rooting into the materials that we have about the runes. So we have some poems, we have myths and stories, but then coming into a personal practice and inquiry-based practice with these, I see them as beings because I'm an animist, they are alive, they're pieces of the living web of weird. So um, the book actually started as a practice with others. We spent Mm -hmm. 33 weeks, that's why it is a practice. And then became a synergy of some ancestral connection work that I've done. And really, it's just about sharing my path, which is continuing, evolving, ever developing, and hoping that other people will walk their own path with the runes, which so many are. And it is increasing my knowing so much to walk the path with others because this is a living faith. This is a living practice. And it lives through us, not, um, you know, in spite of us or because of us. That is a beautiful thing. And I absolutely love that about your book. I love the fact that it wasn't just a book that's concrete. Here's the meanings of the runes, do what you will with it. It's more of a book where it's like, yes, here are some of the meanings, (laughs) but go explore them and learn them for yourself and get to know them as if they were beings. And prior to your book, I actually didn't see the runes as living entities. I saw them more as just kind of like tarot cards where they were a tool. They were not anything else. But I am of kind of a mixed bag even when it comes with my tarot cards where I'm like, yes, it is a tool. But at the same time, each one has its own spirit. Each deck has Mm -hmm. its own personality. And that's why some decks will work great for some things and other decks, you can't use that for the same questioning. (laughs) So the the wonderful thing about your uh, course as I'm working through it that I'm finding is that it really is such a beautiful way to immerse yourself in not only a form of divination, but a form of a spiritual practice that isn't, is a part of other practices but it in itself it can be its own practice all on its own yes yes absolutely and and this is this is just my practice right (laughs) so this is my own and I'm sharing it and then you take it and it becomes your practice because of course you're doing unique things with it and that's what I love so much about um having a lived spirituality and being able to exchange this kind of information gnosis work really just blew me open because like so many folks in this culture I had been exposed primarily to authoritarian spirituality Mm -hmm. saying that there is you know kind of a hierarchy of truth and um, and even some of the alternative spiritualities get pretty dogmatic yes so (laughs) yes yes It is very true. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I, on my show, if uh, those who are listening know this, the one thing that I always tell everybody on my show, you can take whatever practice that you're doing and make it your own. Your way is the right way. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't do it, if you do it somebody else's way, yeah, it might work, but it may not work as well as if it was your way. 
and figuring yeah. that out is the best path. So that's pretty much all what this book in a nutshell is about. So if you want to get this version, this is about taking the runes and go find your own path with them. <laughs> <laughs> There's the byline, everyone. Go buy a copy. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I love that nutshell. That's perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. I've been working on a summary forever. <laughs> uh, but it is beautifully set up. Uh, it's one of those things that I would really like to do the class with my community as well to kind of see what they get out of it because the spiritual practice is not just about, you know, doing it yourself. Yeah, you can do it yourself. But connecting with others is so much more important as well. Yes. So yeah i i love that you did this this is such a beautiful thing what really now obviously you you were inspired through the the living animism of these runes but what made you decide to basically create a course and teach the course about it well i had a lot of requests you know people are drawn to the runes they see them and i think many of us recognize something in them um they contain, you know, they are such a, a rich and ancient symbolic language. And, and I think that there is this intrigue. So I had a lot of requests. And then I, I always teach what I most need to practice. <laughs> That's like how I set up all of my classes. It's like, it okay, this is how what it works for me as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I'm teaching somebody else, then I can hold myself accountable. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And you naturally then bring in the community that you're seeking to do the work together. So um, that I was in a time of huge transition and I just really wanted to have a devotional practice with the runes and go slowly. Um, I have neurological issues from my chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was really debilitated and um, wanted to spend, you know, a week with each rune intimately. A lot of the other classes I'd taken had kind of bunched the runes together and we were working with a whole bunch at a time. And I thought, well, if these are if I'm operating off of the presumption that these are beings, then wouldn't it make sense to give each one an opportunity to speak? Mm -hmm. And um, and so I had a little collective of folks that were also interested and we we started, it was a bit nonlinear because I was so disabled at the, mm -hmm. the time. So we kind of, um, it actually started without a live component. And then about 12 weeks in, we decided that we needed to meet live and discuss. And so that was the, the seed story. A lot of the inquiry questions in the book come out of that. I just would uh, write my inquiry for the week with the rune. Mm -hmm. And really by the end, the runes were writing me. They were telling me what the questions needed to be and they were giving me the information that needed to come forward so um but that's the hope actually is that people will take the book and then yes please use it in your communities mm -hmm. it's it's that seed um and then you'll develop your own way around it but that was I wanted to create a tool because I didn't have a tool. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a lot of books that were telling me what to think about the runes and um, I'm just kind of contrary. I don't really like being told what to do. So I, I, wanted, I wanted something that would invite in um, 
invite in a different way. And we're actually at the tail end of running the practice again right now. Oh, um, wow. Okay. And the community has really had to take it on. I had COVID again for a second time in, oh, no. um, oh it's been, yeah, it's been really rough. I had COVID again in January. So I've been pretty, um, my health been all over the place. So the mm-hmm. community actually has been taking on these weekly gnosis groups and it's been it's perfect because it is not a class. It's actually a community that is supporting each other in this journey. So that is incredible. And I'm so sorry that you've had COVID twice. Having it, <laughs> even having it once is terrible, but gosh, having it twice, I'm so sorry that you've had to endure that. Um, you know, that's just kind of my, this will be that weekly reminder that I tell you guys every week to stay safe. It, anybody can get it and just be ca- be careful and take care of yourselves please 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 um yes. i always remind my audience to do that because i want everybody to stay safe i don't want anybody to end up as a statistic no <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> uh so kind of going back to your your group um and all of that when you're doing these kind of groups do you find now that you're running through it a second time do you find it to be a different almost like a different course. Does it hit you differently than it did the first time? Oh, totally. Yes, absolutely. Because the number of dimensions that you travel through with the runes are just infinite. So, Mm -hmm. and the way that they meet you at the intersection of like this particular moment in your life, this particular moment in history, it's completely new every single time. And it's just like living with a person too, Um, my relationship with my partner is very different now than it Mm -hmm. was 10 years ago. Like I really know them a lot better. (laughs) And so (laughs) there's that, but then working with new folks coming in, you get all of these new insights and people start dreaming together and the symbolism awakens and the synchronicities come through and it's it's just new. It's absolutely new every time and affirms once again that there is no limit to the possibility of our practice when Uh we're in dedication and we're in community um, and in devotion to to life, which I think that's what the the runes represent. They are are this web of life that we all occupy. it is, it's just magic. I think it absolutely is magic. And as you're talking about that, I'm, you know, looking at the cover of the book and I see the Norns sitting there weaving the webs of life and all that sitting there. So I'm like, oh, that's synchronistic. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So um, my next question for you is, obviously your book is written about reconnecting with the astral divine feminine. Uh, now, because we live in such a, I want to say almost a toxic culture when it comes to the gender lines, how would you, what would be your sales pitch to somebody who is not feminine, but wants to still read your book? Mm. Well, the feminine is in everything and in, in all, just like the masculine is in everything and in all, and the non-binary is in everything and in all, it all is all. (laughs) So um, feminine being a quality and 
that quality takes on many different meanings for folks, depending on where they live in history and of course identity. But I think that there's pieces that we're missing in the story because we've had such a, if we just take traditional views of the elemental feminine and the elemental masculine, mm -hmm. we're missing big pieces of a story that has been told through a dominantly masculine lens. And I learned this a lot in doing the translation work because mm -hmm. most of the translations are done from a masculine lens by people who identify as male. And, um, and there's subtleties in there that are absent. So yes. I think that anyone can benefit from reconnecting with the feminine. Um, and truly, we all come from a source that has been traditionally identified with the feminine, which is regenerative and generative, regenerative and generative and connecting in with our first home, which is the womb and our first mother, which is the earth, um, brings us into a relationship with the past that can help us to realign with the future, whatever identity we occupy or whatever we wish going forward, we need to reweave the web this story has been hidden from us in a lot of ways. Wow, that is gorgeous. That is so gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love that so much. And I truly agree with everything that you said, because I do believe that we, so many of the world's problems right now, I think have stemmed because we have ignored the feminine voice for so long. And we're still trying to squash the feminine voice, especially here in the United States, which is incredibly depressing. But we're not going to get down that road because <laughs> nobody wants to be depressed. But I think that if we took the time truly to really connect with the feminine energies, not just in ourselves, but around us, I think we really could help the world in so many ways, so many ways. Yes, absolutely. It's a healing. We need, we need the all and we need to acknowledge that there is no wholeness without the all mm -hmm. and to go into and see like if we're working with the web of weird, um, which I do in meditation all the time. There's so many knots and tears in the weird from all of the things that have gone on throughout history. And when we come into relationship with the feminine in, in our communities or in essence or in the world around us, and we see the need for balance and the wholeness, we can start to repair. Mm -hmm. And and like I said, going forward, whatever vision we carry, that repair is still necessary. It can't, it, it, we can't exist without the healing. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I, I, I'm kind of glad that you pointed out that all the webs and the snags and the tears in the web. And when I do my meditation practices that involve that, the one thing I've kind of tried to do because I'm a Reiki master is to try to give some of that healing energy back to untangle some of those things. Mm. Because there's so much out there that we could do that's not just, you know, and a lot of times when we think about fixing the world, it's like, ah, uh, fight the man. No, you don't always have to do that. Sometimes it's just giving that healing energy 
to your ancestors, to your history, to the web itself. So that way it can form the pathway it can to the non-toxic version of itself. Yes, yes, absolutely. And there, you know, the, the ur- I understand the urge to fight. I do. Mm-hmm. But I also just in, in observing again through an ancestral animist lens, looking at the regenerative regenerative qualities of the earth. I'm looking out at my garden right now. We just had like five inches of snow a couple days ago and and it was spring and then everything got smushed by the snow and all these branches broke. But I'm looking out there right now and everything has completely sprung back. And, um, you know, there is a way to, um, to accept what has happened and to use it constructively in moving forward and that giving back of energy, that giving loving energy back into the past, especially in mythic time, Mm -hmm. there is no past and there is no future. So we can give it all right now in the moment forward and back through everything and allow ourselves to exist in that place of union. Mm -hmm. And I've in working with my ancestors they so welcome that because the fighting has exhausted us. Mm -hmm. We are exhausted. And I think, um, you know, coming into the present moment, these last couple of years have really, (laughs) have really worn us out. So the more loving energy we can (laughs) offer. (laughs) There are days that I swear my ancestors just look at me like, girl, I am tired. I am tired. Can you not today, please? I am tired. I can't, you either break your neck or don't do this. Just don't. That, like yes. literally my ancestors, <laughs> some days are just looking at me like, I cannot chase you in the crazy today. Please don't. Just sit. Yes. <laughs> don't move. <laughs> Which is such a wonderful experience. And I, I think that there's also, I also work with Loki. So there's such a fun, chaotic experience when your ancestors are like, please stop. Yes. <laughs> and all you can do is just sit there and go, oh, well, I, I'm the child in this moment and I'm sorry. I will go sit in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. Exactly. <laughs> it's such a wonderful experience. And, you know, the cool thing about your book that I'm also finding is there's so many different things that when I worked with runes in the past and I've worked with runes, gosh, what is it, like six years now? Six, seven years? Uh, numbers they escape me um <laughs> but you know working with the runes it was all very static like i was saying before but now with each one there's a different translation there's a different look there's a different it's like seeing the whole personality mm-hmm. of each of the runes and then it's like kind of having an entity come in and be like let's sit down and have a cup of tea and you tell me everything about your life <laughs> And it's really fun and you get to sit there and almost interview them with the questions that you've presented in the book. So again, here's my sales pitch to my audience, guys. Go buy a copy of this book, especially if you're interested in the runes or if you're just interested in looking at a different divination system in a different way. Because I think you could probably take some of this and also apply it to tarot or apply it to working with... um, different types of divination and you know like lenormand or uh, working with shells or working in with any sort of divination system that you feel comfortable with but i think this is a really great way for you guys to 
break your feet into the runes if you're interested. Mm. I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's pretty much most of my questions for you. So where can people find you? How can they get in contact with you? Uh, I know that when we've interviewed you, you had some, uh, there was some information about a class or something that people could get in contact with you about or something you were working on. Uh, tell everybody what they can do to find you and get in contact with you and take your classes, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Well, I have a lot of classes at the Wild Soul School and Many of them have no financial barriers to access. I operate by community sponsorship. So um, my Patreon community or folks who pay as they can, they really support this kind of access for these classes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I am running a project this year called the Dark Goddess Project, which is all about integrating (laughs) difficult transitions, (laughs) (laughs) rites of passage, and really... um, deepening through practice and community into the rhythm of the year, the cycle of the season. So that is um, facilitated over at Patreon. And um, I have a couple of different ways that folks can participate in that. One is called the Year of Ceremony, where I'm offering folklore and ceremonial um, guidance at the turning times of each point of the year. I also offer ritual talks each moon uh, about pretty much whatever folks are interested in. People can, um, I always really am engaged with my Patreon community because they support me so much. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then the Dark Goddess Project is non-linear. So folks who wanna participate online are welcome to join at any time if you have a difficult transition that you are navigating or have navigated in the past and haven't integrated, you are welcome to join us as we walk this path together um, in community. So those are the two primary places. That is absolutely wonderful. And your dark goddess class sounds incredible. Uh, I think I might have to sign up myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, you know, I've worked with many of the dark goddesses in the past. And um, I think one of my favorite books out there, um, you may be familiar with it, is uh, Dark Goddess Craft by Stephanie Woodfield. Oh, I don't know that one. It's a beautiful book. I highly recommend it. Uh, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And it kind of breaks down different rituals based off of a lot of the dark goddesses and how they can individually help you. So uh, if you haven't checked it out, you should. Great, great oh, book. But yes, your your class sounds incredible. And I love the way that you connect with your community. And especially in times where it's really trying and difficult financially for a lot of people to get involved in spiritual classes. And I think that that's an incredible way. So everyone, you've heard it here first. Go sign up for all of Laura's classes. <laughs> go buy her book. Go do it all. Go do the things. <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> and all the links will be in the show description as always. So, and you're not on social media, are you? I didn't think so. I am not. No, I did not I think left. so. I left in December. So, How's yeah, that I transition went. been? Oh, absolutely wonderful. <laughs> there are some days I, I feel like I should just delete my accounts. And then there's other days where I'm like, no, I would not know how to survive without social media. Um, but then there's the same days where I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be here. It's pretty icky. <laughs> oh, I know. It. I did a ton of research last year. It's actually an open 
uh, Patreon post if anybody is interested. I did a ton of research because I was essentially trying to see if I could convince myself to stay on social media. I had a really great community and mm-hmm. so many people found me through, it was Instagram. Um, but I did a lot of research after reading a, a academic article um, called Stewardship of Global Collective Behavior, where ecologists, people from all of these different disciplines were essentially coming together and saying that social media needs to be studied as a crisis discipline because of what it's doing to humanity. That is changing the way that we interact as humans so quickly in an unprecedented way and escalating conflict around the world. And there's alarm in a lot of the like sociology, ecology, like all these um, academic disciplines. And I read that and I thought, okay. <laughs> um, that sounds disturbing. Right. Like, and then, yeah. That's, so I did tons of research on impacts on mental health and the addictive nature of social media and social media as, you know, a tool for exploitation in spiritual circles. And I put it all together into a document that's downloadable. So if anybody's interested, they can go and look at what I was looking at. And then I took a break for a month. And I came back to it because I got two new diagnoses and I just, you know, the medical community has like no support. Right. And that was the one area where I found that there was some benefit to social media was actually for people with chronic health issues and disabilities, because we tend to be so isolated Mm -hmm. um, that that's a place where we can find community. But then the Facebook papers came out and Um, all the studies about teen girls and Instagram. And I just, my guides were like, you just have to stop. You have to trust us that this is not the way. And so I deleted my account in November and it was permanent in December. And, um, and it, I have so much time now. I mean, I miss some things about it, but I, I do have a lot of time and Mm -hmm. And it's forced me, like I created a mighty network for my community. So there is a place for people to engage if they want to on a social platform that's not algorithmically driven, that is Mm -hmm. non-commercial. And that's been really great as an alternative. It doesn't give the same feed. Like I definitely don't have as many people finding me, but it seems to be weirdly okay. Um, I, it's been such a, a wild journey. I don't, I don't really know. Um, I don't really know the, the full impact because I'm not on social media, uh-huh. so I can't see it, <laughs> but, um, but I'm grateful now to be away from it. Um, just in terms of, especially being chronically ill, I was spending way too much time uh, developing content and I had over 800 single space pages that I pulled off of Instagram. Wow. <laughs> so. That, that's a lot. Um, I, you know, and it's interesting that you talk about Instagram because uh, for those who've listened to my show, you guys know I have an Instagram account. It, it's on my link tree. I never post because I get on <laughs> Instagram and I'm like, I don't want to be here. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. And it's like, I find myself mentally drained just creating the post and finding the hashtags and doing the marketing and doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do for the Instagram stuff. And it's like, 
this is too much effort. So I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> I will post yes. something like every six months, <laughs> you know, just to tell you guys, hey, I'm alive. I'm not dead. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it, it does kind of really, especially once Instagram kind of was taken over by Facebook. Um, and I have been off Facebook for, I still have my account, um, but that's it. Like, I never get on it. I never do anything with it. And once it was taken over by Facebook, I was extremely disheartened by it being taken over by Facebook because I knew Facebook was extremely toxic and really terrible. Yes. And there was so much misinformation that was being spread there. And I'm like, well, now it's just going to spread directly to Instagram. This, yes. this isn't going to be good. And it did. It did exactly what I thought it was going to do. And it still, and I can't even look at my Instagram feed anymore, which is sad because I do have a lot of creators that I enjoy following, or I did. Um, but now I don't even see their content anymore because it's just filled with a bunch of ads and other crap that I don't need. So it, it does kind of make me really sad. And, you know, Twitter is halfway between good and halfway between evil there's no real happy medium with twitter because half my feed is like oh hey friends fantastic you guys are doing great things and then the other half is i really don't want to see this this is really icky yuck yes. okay so and my happy place is tiktok but that's because i am on it enough that i can curb my own algorithm to show me happy things like puppies and gardening that's about oh, all i see yes i will say that that's a real place where i've lost that i don't get as many baby animal videos in my life anymore that's like yeah. a true loss for me there's a lot i get a lot of pitbull content because i rescue pitbulls and um so i do that and then there's all of the gardening and homesteading stuff which i love because i'm a gardener and a homesteader so it, it's that makes me happy and then every now and then i'll get a video where i'm just like i don't want to see this and so i don't watch it i just scroll right past it and then the algorithm's like oh you don't like this content no okay let's give you content you actually watch uh so TikTok's my happy place but that's pretty much as far as i go with social media but it's it's terrible pretty much any direction you look but i like that you created a mining network especially um because that's for chronically ill folk right if i remember correctly that is you're thinking of the mighty which is oh, for right. chronically ill folk yeah mighty network is just a it's like a private social network um some people offer like paid memberships to their social minds free for anyone who takes classes or wants to join um, they can just actually, I've admitted everybody. I don't ever check because <laughs> okay. so far it's worked out. Um, so if you want to join, come on in. Um, but it's a really, I have a really active community, especially with the, um, the dark goddess project and the mm -hmm. wild soul runes gnosis group. So they want to keep sharing, even though I'm not able to be there so much because I'm, I've just been too sick, mm -hmm. but, um, but they're able to keep sharing and you can share photos and videos and links and it's been quite lovely. Um, and it's, I like that it's private, that it's mm -hmm. non-commercial and it has that same feel. I mean, we all hope that someday we'll be able to gather again safely and in community. It's almost summer here, so maybe in person, but now I have all these people from the world over mm -hmm. who I love and I love to know how they're doing. And it's just a really easy way to check in with everybody to make a quick post. Um, 
So yeah, I do recommend Mighty Network. It has some bugs. It's not like slick. <laughs> but I mean, all social media has its issues. So that's right. No, that's <laughs> very true. That's very true. But so, it it's friendly. That's, that's awesome. Like about it. That is so awesome. Uh, my last question for you is: Do you have any more books that you're currently working on? I do. Um, can you I'm... talk about them? If you can't initial <laughs> hush hush, that's okay. We'll just have you oh, back they're... on the show to talk about them later. <laughs> they're never hush hush. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been working on. Uh, I, I'm also the author of the Moon Divas Guidebook, which is a handwritten book. I wrote it a long time ago and um, just republished it this last year. I have a new edition that just came out. And so I'm working on a companion book. The Moon Divas Guidebook is Spirited Self-Care for Folks in Transition. It's actually the subtitle is for women in transition, but it's it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um but the Dark Goddess book is a companion book I started when I was in the midst of my own, I call it a death transition. It was, I came very close to dying in 2018. I was really, really ill. And um, and that was an initiation for me. It was a spiritual initiation. So I decided I wanted to create a handbook for those kinds of really difficult initiations. And I've been working on it ever since. Um, so that is in progress it, because it's handwritten and illustrated. It mm-hmm. takes a long time. And I have a lot of inflammation from my long COVID stuff. So that's slow. And then I have a book that was tentatively titled The Myth Path Book, um, which is really about ancestral animism and mm-hmm. living in rhythm with um, ancestral life ways, kind of, again, inquiry-based how I engage with these things so that folks can find their own rhythm with their curiosity and link to place to the land where we live, which is so important. So that's also in the works. Those sound incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> Thank you. And um, the the Moon Divas guidebook, and uh, I'm looking at your um, bio on the back of the book, you have the Moon Divas Oracle as well. Right? Yes. Yep. Are, are those like mass produced where people could buy them? Like if they wanted to go to Amazon or, um, or do they need to go directly to your website? So the guidebook is on Amazon, the Moon Divas guidebook and the most recent edition, there's two editions and it's some, for some reason, the old one gets really inflated. The price gets really inflated sometimes because it's out of print. Mm -hmm. So go to the latest edition because that one will be consistently priced. Um, And then the Oracle is available. You do have to go to my website, but there's, it's just through Lulu and, um, and there's cards too, if folks are interested in oh, yeah. the Oracle cards. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys like to collect those Oracle decks and those cards and all that good stuff, head over there and do that. Well, Laura, this has been an absolute treasure of a conversation to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me today. And this has been so wonderful. And I can't wait for your new books. You'll have to keep us posted when they come out because I'd love to have you back by when they're out. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much, Pagan. I really appreciate the opportunity to come here and visit with you. Oh, 
this is wonderful. All right, guys, take care of yourselves. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. And go and support Lara and all of her wonderful works. And if you are interested in anything that we talked about today, all of the good stuff is going to be in the show description. So you'll be able to find links to books. You'll be able to find links to Lara and everything in between. So take care of yourselves. Be good. And we will talk to you all very, very soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.